We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast, also the Rippy Wrights podcast. We were looking for a topic, needed a, uh, a show for tomorrow. By God, we got it, as uh, the golf world has been turned upside down. If you are uh, not into golf, probably need to take the day off today, but that's okay. We'll be back with you uh, more shows in the week if this isn't your thing, but it's not just golf. It's sports. It's business. Frankly, there's a lot of culture built into uh, what is going on today as well, but again, some other uh, shows on the network. We got uh, several different things here coming. We're going to talk a good bit of golf, a little bit of emergency pod coming as the uh, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, the Public Investment Fund, which is Live Golf, all merging today. So we're going to hit what that means from a number of different fronts because, frankly, there's a lot of shock value to it, but it's kind of complicated as well. So we're going to go through that here coming up on a show, a show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You know about the, uh, the lunch specials, the ribs, the uh, donuts that are homemade fresh every single morning there in Brookhaven and Clinton. Hopefully you've tried those if you're in Brookhaven or the Metro Jackson area. And let them take care of dinner tonight with the ribs. Call ahead, wet or dry, wrap them up, have them ready to go for you with the Blue Sky locally here in Oxford. And I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Clark Ford in Amory, Mississippi, Highway 25 South. Let Corey be your truck guy, be your car guy. Wherever you are in the car buying process, Corey will help you out. So let him do that with Clark Ford there in Amory. And then Brian joining me on the My Perry Franchise Hotline. If you want to get into franchising, if you want more information, wherever you are with that, Andy Ludicky can help. So again, that's My Perfect Franchise here with the Hotline and Brian today. Brian, you, uh, you alerted me to this this morning. Again, there's a lot here. I'm going to start unpacking it in a minute. Has your initial reaction, and then as we have found out more throughout the day, has it changed into you? What is the most shocking part of this? I don't know. I don't even really know where to begin, like how to start with that. I, I know you kind of know. I mean, this you've worked in this long enough, whether it's covering it or just as like a bystander, you kind of know like a groundbreaking story when you see one just off the initial reaction. I was at work this morning as we record this late on a Tuesday afternoon. A buddy of mine that I work with, uh, Jim Matthews, good guy. He's super plugged into the golf sphere. He 
said something about how the PGA Tour just merged with Liv. And I was like, oh, damn it. This guy fell for a fake tweet, fake report. And then I pull up Twitter immediately as he says that. And I pull it up and like, we're all just standing there in the, in my office for a second, like, holy cow. Like it was that kind of shock value. And as the day unfolded, I tried to be as productive as possible, um, which I would say I mostly accomplished, but there was about a good 20 minutes after the fact where I just kind of sat there almost addicted to Twitter, reading links, whatever the case may be just trying to understand the full scope of it. So I, I don't really know. I, I I'm still, I feel like we're all still kind of scrambling the PGA tour and this whole live thing included on what this actually means and what it is. But maybe the, the shot most shocking part is that the conclusion of this and the end result was probably inevitable, but the moment and timing that it arrived in the manner in which it arrived and how it was packaged, I guess is the most shocking like piece of it to me to answer your question, because it just, it, 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 it's, it, I mean, we'll get into it in a second. It's just unbelievable how the PGA tour handled this entire thing. And so the way it happened and how the news was broken is probably the most shocking piece of it to me. So if you've been in a rock or you haven't, if you're not a golf fan, but you just like hearing us talk, we appreciate you for doing that. Let me give you a little background or at least what's going on today. So uh, Jay Monahan, he is the commissioner of the PGA tour. He will be a central figure in what we talk about today. He called it, quote, a momentous day for the tour in the game of golf, as, again, Live, which is the uh, the Saudi-backed um, golf league, the public investment fund, which just means all the Saudi Arabia's billions of dollars and whatever they want to do from a monetary standpoint have announced the creation of a, quote, new commercial entity to unify golf, as he calls it. Monahan sends a memo to the players today. The players... We'll get to that. Well, I'm not even going to go there now because we got to get through the, the minutia first a little bit. But uh, he's highlighted a plan to reunite professional golf through a framework agreement with um, the Saudis, essentially with Liv, which created and owns 93% of Liv Golf, the PIF it does there. said uh, It was very short on details, but essentially it is going to include the PGA Tours, commercial businesses and rights, it is a merger. It is uh, of the DP World Tour as well, um, the former European Tour, into a for-profit entity that delivers maximum excitement and competition among the game's best players under this uh, under this guise. Again, Monahan will serve as the CEO of this new entity, and then uh, how do we pronounce this? Yasir Al Ruminin, Rippy, you got to pronounce we'll, we'll it. The governor of the PFP on the PIF. I'll call, I mean, I've been typing it for six months, but it, you know. It's we'll go with like, Yassir. Let's do that. Let's just say the Yassir when we're talking about the head of the PIF, which he is going to join the Tours Policy Board and become chairman of the new entity. Again, the players, which it's supposed to be a player-run tour, the PGA Tour. It is a tour with players who have stuck their neck out for the tour, who have um, absolutely almost kind of been a shield, if you will, for Jay Monahan throughout this uh, th- this entire situation as it's going, they got a memo to alert them of this. Most of them found out on Twitter. At the same time, he sends out a um, he sends out an, a, a, a memo that says that uh, there are many details to work through. Basically, saying they don't they have a definitive agreement, but they don't really know what it consists of. But notably, today's announcement brings about an end to all pending litigation between the participating mm-hmm. entities 
and prohibits further uh, recruitment of PGA Tour or Live Golf members. That is key here as we get started again. I'm just trying to get through a bunch of minutia to catch everybody up, and then we'll give some reactions and winners and losers and things. Both sides were essentially suing each other. Um, and what happens is that has stopped now with this merger. That is key because one benefit to this is that neither side wanted all the books open. Neither side wanted depositions. Neither side wanted everything thrown out there in light either way. So the uh, the lawsuits have stopped. And when I say neither side, I'm talking about the business entities, the LLCs, the corporations, not the necessarily members that are involved in that from a player standpoint. They are going to uh, say they're going to evaluate live and determine how best to in- integrate team golf into the professional game. The 2023 live golf schedule will continue as planned. So basically none of this really has an impact through the 2023 schedules. They will work cooperatively to establish a fair and objective process for any players who desire to reapply for membership with the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour following the completion of the 2023 season, consistent with tour policies. They say this is a complicated endeavor and one that will be guided by established PGA, PGA Tour rules and regulations. Again, that is relevant because a lot of live players or almost all the live players some had PGA memberships. They dropped those to join Live for a bushel of money. They took a lot of money. They got into the, they got into Live. They were banned from the PGA Tour at that point, and now they are saying there will for the ones who would be eligible to rejoin the tour from a competitive standpoint, there would be some entry into that. People were talking about some fines being involved potentially, but that uh, there would be um, a way for them to do that after the 2023 seasons. Um, PIF, which is again the Live Golf uh, parent company, they will make a financial investment to become a premier corporate sponsor of the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour and other international tours. They're doing additional investments in a new entity that will allow them to build an even stronger and more robust commercial business together. There will be a for-profit branch of this as well, even though the PGA Tour is staying nonprofit um, for the actual tour, and they are going to commit submit significant financial support toward causes that positively impact the game on a global basis, meaning they will give to a lot of PGA Tours charities, if you want to know exactly what that means. That is that is what that means. Um, the PGA Tour will still manage all tournaments on its side, while the Live Golf people will handle a lot of business elements here. Um, did I about cover that? Did I leave anything out, Brian, as we run through the minutia? No, I think you did a pretty good job of it, even though it's an impossible thing to blanketly cover. Um it's I don't even really know where to start. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, the PIF is the Saudi Public Investment Fund. That is where they fund a lot of their public interests. Uh, I would say the detractors would call that sports washing. But I mean, they're buying soccer players. They've gotten into F1. Um, they as we you just outlined, basically in summation, they just bought professional golf today. We'll get that that in a second. But yeah, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. And it's it's as shocking as it is. And it is as difficult to unpack because there's so many layers to this. You could go in a billion different directions. This could be a four-hour podcast if you really wanted to make it one because every single time someone says something or I read something, I have this whole other spinoff of like, well, what does this mean? And really no one okay. has any definitive answers. But, man, speculation, this is the this is like the greatest speculation pie of all time. There's two things at work here, um, and, I, and I think it depends on which part – you want to focus on or which part you care more about till you see the exact, maybe not winners and losers, because I'll get to that, but what, what you make of this entire deal. So here's what happened. Um, and we'll, we'll start with the obvious knee jerk stuff and then we'll give the alternate take that I do think is relevant as well is that 
Jay Monahan runs the PGA Tour. He's the commissioner. He's supposed to be the voice of the players. The PGA Tour, I think this is relevant. I think this is really, really relevant as we do a little background. It's known as this wholesome entity that gives to charities and is great about community and upstanding citizens. I mean, they have they give more to charity than any other major sport on the United States combined. Correct. It is a they they care tons about their image more than any other sport. Probably they have suspended people for things and then lied about what they were suspended for to keep everything above board and leave it to Beaver esque when it comes to the PGA Tour. And for two years now, Jay Monahan himself has called the Saudi back live tour basically the enemy. They have pointed out um, the essential quote blood money that the Saudis have given for plenty of heinous acts inside its own country. Um, they have done everything they can do to soil the reputation of live the players who have gone to live. They basically, you know, have called them treasonous in a way, frankly, over the course of, uh, of time here, he, he it's something where they went so hard and for so long that from a straight PGA tour, I'll get to the players in a second. I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of the goal of the show is to try to break it down into segments without getting too carried away. Cause you're, I have so many big reaching ideas that I, I think don't, doesn't do it justice to stay with this, but from a straight tour standpoint, not the golf, the PR part of the tour, what does today do? Because, I'll get to it in a minute. I don't want to get on this subject. I do think the golf is going to get better, obviously, because everybody's under one tour. But the straight PR nature, what the PGA Tour has built its brand on, which is wholesomeness in a way, does that change after today? Oh, 100%. I don't know how it can. I mean, you read excerpts of that very long and bizarre press release. That was another thing, reading everything as the news unfolded this morning. That press release couldn't have been more than 500 words. And I swear to God, there were 11 sentences in those 500 words where I was like, I cannot believe this is a real thing. So, yes, it, it, it does. Because you mentioned the whole wholesome aspect of the PGA Tour. And in a way, you know, the Saudi government, the PIF, their public investment fund, basically picked the PGA Tour. Well, we thought at the time as a target, but really it was they saw it as a further investment opportunity now. And kind of picked on and targeted the PGA Tour as, hey, we can disrupt this ecosystem of professional golf. And the PGA Tour, now that we see this play out in totality, and of course, in terms of the minutiae of all this and how this partnership actually works, there's a billion things that remain to be settled and remain to be unseen. But now that we kind of see the kind of first, first iteration of the end of this saga was it's now very much clear that the PGA Tour strategy in handling live was not really a strategy at all, but more so a reaction. And the PIF and what do we call them? Yasir? Um, sure. Basically, from the start, kind of realized that they had the PGA Tour on its heels. The PGA Tour made a lot of very reactionary decisions and basically played them like a fiddle from start to finish to the point where they waved the white flag, they got on their proverbial knees and took the money. And so, yes, from the PGA Tour's wholesome, above-board, charitable aspect, that no longer exists, in my opinion. And I'm not one to get on this soapbox about morals and moral high ground and all of that type of stuff, but I don't understand how you can view the PGA Tour in a similar, in a remotely similar way than you did before today. I mean, my fiancé, MC, 
went out, she was kind of invested in the news too. And she said, you know, one of the disappointing things is I always viewed golf as this like more wholesome sport than the other ones. And I feel like that that's all gone, you know, off to the wayside today. And I was like, look, I mean, if that's really what you're into, you're exactly right. So to answer your question, yes, I think it does an exact 180. I think they're the actual antithesis of everything they prop themselves up to be entering today. But now this is a this is a this is a dividing line that I do think is relevant, and and, and I think and I wouldn't necessarily go in here now, but I, I think you're, you you segued into it in a really interesting way. Liv's goal, in my opinion, moving forward or the whole time maybe, was never to run a golf league. Their goal was never to beat the PGA Tour with Liv Golf. That was not going to happen. That is not what their goal was. Their goal was to get a place at the table, and for it to become standard practice and okay to funnel money and get board seats and do all these different things with the PGA Tour and the global game of golf in general. And the PGA Tour still remains the undeniable driver of doing that. So their ultimate goal was to get a place at the table, which they have got here. Because Saudi-backed money in the investment fund won because they get a board seat, they get chairman status with Yasir, they get a lot of decision-making power, Money will bring even more power, and they are in lockstep with the PGA Tour. That's what won. Live Golf died today, though. Live Live Golf is not an entity. It has been, you know, we say merger because that means two things combine, but they don't combine equally. The PGA Tour is absorbing Live Golf, taking the best parts of it, taking all of its money, and then running its tournaments and its structures however it chooses to do so moving forward. So from just a business standpoint, it's the investment fund, the people behind it, the people who have gained power, they are the winners. But it's not like Live Golf is coming into this thing 50-50 where half of their things work and half of the PGA Tour's things work. It's one of the clear lines in the side of this press release that says the PGA Tour is still fully in charge of on-course activity and manipulation as we move forward in this thing and it's where it's where jay monahan has a really interesting deal because i'm going to get into his situation with the players and why you think he can't survive this in a minute and we'll get there and anybody's yelling at the computer right now just give me that i'm not i'm not shilling for jay monahan right here but i'm not um even though no no i know you're not that just would be an impossible job at this point but here's what Jay Monahan did, and this is relevant. And Sports Illustrated said this earlier today, and I agree with this part of it, even though they were doing the bend over and hand the PGA Tour one to try to keep access. Is that Jay Monahan? Now, look, he has a player issue beyond all player issues. And again, I'll get there in a minute. He killed his biggest competitor today with its biggest competitor funneling money into his own sport. He got back the best players in the world to play on his tour when this thing is over. Um, he can take some things that might be kind of fun from Liv. Because what's going to happen is they're going to do some satellite fringe team concept to make it look like they're sort of combining with like a couple tournaments or whatever that looks like. But nobody's going, oh my God, I got to get the aces into the PGA Tour and keep that team together. That's crap. That's gone. So... If you want to talk just straight numbers and business, which is not the full story and it probably isn't even the main story, but from straight business, the PGA Tour looks better on the balance sheet today than it did yesterday. In simply that way, he ended litigation that could have greatly harmed his tour. He got more money. He got his players back. 
and he killed his biggest rival. From a straight CEO standpoint, on paper, Jay Monahan won today. Summer's right around the corner. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services would like to take the opportunity to remind you about the importance of taking care of your outdoor living spaces. Regular maintenance is the key to preserving the beauty and integrity of your home and business. And one of the most effective ways to maintain your home is through power washing. Some of the key benefits include curb appeal, damage prevention, creating a healthier environment, and also saves you time and money. They've been serving the Mid-South and Oxford for four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash, roof cleaning, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. Don't wait until it's too late. Contact Heavenly Sunshine today and get ready to enjoy a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. Visit the website at heavenlysunshine.com or call 662-342-1203 to book your free estimate. Use the code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Are you vacationing on Florida's Emerald Coast this summer? Whether you're staying from 30A to Pensacola Beach or anywhere in between, please check out Captain Lee Comerford with Salty Lab Charters. Licensed and insured, he offers custom excursions such as dolphin watching along Destin beaches, crab island sandbar experiences, and much more. He's an Ole Miss grad, an Air Force veteran, has more than 30 years of boating experience along Florida's Emerald Coast. All trips are private to your group, so check him out on Instagram or book today um, at saltylabcharters.com. Use the code REBELGROVE20 and you'll get 20% uh, off. Lee has indicated an incredible response during the May promotion. He's extended his code through the end of June. You can apply this code to any charter booked in 2023. Again, that's saltylabcharters.com. Lake Hill Motors in Corinth, Mississippi is a family-owned dealership. It's in operation for more than 60 years. have a service department with more than 100 years of combined experience. If you're looking for motorcycles, four-wheelers, side-by-sides, scooters, generators, wave runners, lawnmowers, Compact tractors and more. Lake Hill has it from Honda, Yamaha, Bobcat, Hyson, KO, and other name brands. Contact Michael McCullough in Corinth at 662-871-6918 or visit him in person at 2003 Highway 72 East Annex in Corinth. Mention that you heard about Lake Hill on the podcast and your first oil change on your new purchase is free. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. You can also order online at walkons.com or on their convenient Walk-Ons app. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland today. The College Corner is your one-stop rebel shop. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. Uh, the College Corner is next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, just go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. They have the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. Podcast also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area and they offer MedSaint. Fill your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. One trip to the pharmacy, one delivery. You have everything you need when you need it with G&M. They also can transfer your medications easily. Again, one call, they take care of the rest. So no matter what you need from Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs or GNM in Oxford, let them help you out. That's 662-236-2222. Yes, kind of, but he he killed his biggest competitor in name only. He killed the outside of the Trojan horse while also ambushed by everyone inside of the Trojan horse. I mean, we keep referencing this press release. One of the most unbelievable statements in all of this is this piece of it. 
The new entity will work to ensure a cohesive schedule of events that will be exciting for fans, sponsors, and all stakeholders. PIF will initially be the exclusive investor in the new entity alongside the PGA Tour, Live Golf, and the DP World Tour. Going forward, Live PIF will have an exclusive right to further invest in the new entity, including the right of first refusal on any other capital that may be invested in this new entity, including the PGA Tour and the Live and the DP World Tour. So, yes, he killed Live Golf. But guess who never gave one iota of a damn about Live Golf? I know. That's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. It's like, Saudi PIF yeah, yeah. So, yes, on paper, at its most basic level, like if Jay Monahan and his PR team, if he has one, <laughs> they should all be fired, one. But if they really wanted to preach to kind of the dumbest level of understanding of all this, it's like, hey, we eliminated a competitor. We got all the players back under one roof. And we have a lot more money with the tour, but it, the it, flip side is that in there, there is also on a very again more complicated, but on a base level, the Saudis bought the PGA Tour today. That's exactly what they did because you know everyone keeps saying the I say everyone keeps saying it's the whole idea of well the PGA Tour will still control the day to day operations and all of that. Well, if their sole exclusive investor who has more money than God is their only quote unquote investor in this new entity, do they really control it or is the PGA Tour doing the grunt work for its overlords at this point? Because that's exactly what's happening here. They don't actually control anything. Let's say the PGA Tour runs the day-to-day operations and they want to move the Sanderson back to Annandale. And the PGA Tour is like, no, we'd like to keep it at CCJ. Guess where that tournament's going? Annandale. That's just a whole totally made up hypothetical, you know, at a local level. But they're the sole exclusive investor. Our friend Yasir is the chairman. Monahan, who cannot face his own players, is quote unquote the CEO. I would be curious to revisit this topic in three weeks as to whether he's still the CEO. Do they really control anything? Because the answer is no. Well, because, I mean, look, the, the live people go, hey, y'all want to run the tournament? Sure, that's what you do well. I don't want to run the damn tournaments anyway. Feel free. Go ahead. Run the Colonial. I mean, whatever. If um, they had an investor letter, they would need one address to report back their quarterly earnings and business report. They, they don't control see, anything. But see, this is why it's dumb. And again, I, I know we're burying the lead with the players, which I think is the most important and, 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 and interesting aspect of this. But I, when I get on that, I may not be able to get off of it, which, which is why I'm waiting. But... The timing is what is so strange to me. And that's where I want to go here because you're right. You're 100% right. We don't even know, though, what this for-profit company is going to do. They can't tell us what it's going to do other than just expand golf globally or whatever bullcrap statement they used in that press release. They don't have anything settled. There's no loose end tied. They don't even know how the team element works. They don't even know how for sure they're going to let the players back in or not. But I mean, okay, you paid me $10 million, but now I'm going to charge you, find you $250,000. Who gives a hell? They're all going to pay it and move on with their day. I mean, why now? Is it because it was going to get out and the players were going to revolt? Was it because if it didn't hurry up and get out right now, it would have been harder to get the European players in for the Ryder Cup? Are we playing Ryder Cup games here with this? Like, what what, what caused this to be today? Because in regular business 101, if this plan was put together, someone would fail business class because there are no certainties in this entire thing. So why did it get rushed out this morning on June 6th other than, I don't know. I have no clue, honestly. I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to the exact timing of it or as to why, but – it makes it even more confusing when you start reading into 
how this went down. So as we record this late on a Wednesday or Tuesday afternoon at, at uh, I believe 3 p.m. Eastern time, there is the RBC Canadian Open this week, which is a major tour event that has become an afterthought two years in a row. I'm sure their sponsors are just absolutely thrilled about that. But he had a players meeting where he basically was taking questions or concerns from the PGA uh, from PGA Tour players at the event. They did not allow a Zoom option. So you had to be there on site man to be a fly on the wall in that meeting. So but then it came out afterward that it, he started negotiating this, he said, quote, seven weeks ago. So what was seven weeks ago? Was it right after a couple live dudes almost won the Masters? What 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 brought them to the negotiating table initially to lead to this moment and i've seen rumblings and kind of rumors and if you read between the lines you can pick up on this too it did seem like it was getting to a point where it was a very very secretive thing that changes the sport of professional golf forever to where everyone i think the major shock value is is how secret it was kept was about to leak so they went ahead and announced it now maybe that's why but outside of that i don't really have a good answer for you as the reason it clearly wasn't planned the interview that Yasir and Jay Monahan did together on CNBC, I mean, he told he told uh, the interviewer or someone after that he told Greg Norman 10 minutes before they walked into the interview. So clearly this is not some well-thought-out thing. They just said, we have to act now on announcing this. So I don't have a good answer for you other than sheer panic that their negotiations were going to be made public, and they said, we got to do this now. Brian, if... I don't know is, and I have a point. So I'll ask one question and then I'll get on my mini soapbox. Is Rory McIlroy playing in the RBC Canadian open? Was he there today? He is. He's a defending champion. Remember last year, the whole thing he won, if I'm not oh, mistaken, that's right. And did okay. the whole, I've won more tour events than Greg Norman. That's right. Okay. I did not know that was the anniversary of that quote, but okay. Remember, because last year, this whole first round of live defections really got announced when they announced the field for their first England event. And everyone spent the whole week talking about it. And then Rory won the tournament and then kind of did the whole, like, this is a great moment for the PGA Tour. So it's like a year to date as this happening again. I don't know how Jay Monahan got out of that players meeting without Rory McIlroy beating the hell out of him. Because he has allowed Rory to take the brunt of everything pro PGA Tour for weeks and months to be the face of this to give every quote of moral high ground and why the PGA Tour is this and Liv isn't and all these different things. And, I mean, sure, Rory gets benefit from it, but there, Monahan has not been seen. Monahan has done, like, two interviews in six months, but Rory's out there on the front lines every freaking week getting asked every Liv question, every PGA Tour question. He is the face of the PGA Tour in every way. Hell, he was getting asked Ryder Cup questions about both sides and what should happen with live players and non-live players and Kepka and the whole damn deal. Monahan has put Rory on an island. This thing got broke this morning by CNNBC. They had pre-recorded interviews with Yasir and Jay Monahan. They let it Wait, break. that wasn't live? No, they had them pre-recorded. <laughs> so they do pre-record have pre-recorded interviews and then announce it and then do their show. CNBC cameramen knew this before Rory freaking McElroy and anyone else and it's just it's it the way that I mean there's so many layers you told these guys we're never gonna merge we're gonna protect you we're gonna be this premier tour we're doing nothing with those cats don't take the money and then these dudes are back on tour in a year and you can't even have the decency to give you a heads up 
They all find out on Twitter. They all find out on social media. They find out wherever you get your news today is where all these players, they're giving live reactions. They get a memo that's just a bunch of bullcrap stuff with no specificity. They have a players-only meeting where Monahan, Monahan said, oh, well, it was heated. Yeah, no shit, thanks. I'm shocked by that. Um, really, that wasn't calm? It's, it's, it's from a PR standpoint, and you know, a CEO's main goal is to raise money. His second goal is to have the trust and relationships with its clients and with its employees. And he's failed on that in a way that's almost impossible. And he's going to go into these meetings and talk about, nope, we're going to have, you're going to, you're making more money because of this move and all this stuff. And while that's true, sure, the PGA Tour from a straight balance sheet standpoint is healthier than it was yesterday. And PGA Tour golfers moving forward are going to make more money than they would have yesterday. There's no doubt about that. There's going to be more money available to Rory and all those dudes. But you lied to them in a way that they all could have taken the live money. They trusted you and didn't take the money. They didn't mean how would you like to be Will Zalatoris? He turned down $130 million and now he has back injuries. And who knows if he's ever going to play on the PGA Tour again? It, it's unfathomable. And so, real quick, just a quick side note as we unpack this in real time Bob Herrig, Bob Herrig longtime golf writer, as of about 35 minutes ago, said that Monahan also said, due to the sensitive nature, only two people on the PGA Tour knew about this. And since it wasn't. And since it still has to be voted on, Tiger and Rory, I don't know what that means. That's interesting. Tiger and Rory were not made aware till last minute. So I, until up until this point, found it almost impossible that Rory did not know about this. But it sounds like right before they recorded the interview uh, that Monaghan gave them the Greg Norman treatment. and was like, hey, this is happening. About to record this interview. Call you back when we get done type of thing. Whatever last minute means, clearly that's not last minute as in two weeks ago. That's last minute before the CNNBC cameras start rolling. So – Yes, he did not know till last minute. And I, I want to get to the player piece of it and how just shockingly backstabbing this is. But the last thing I want to reiterate here is Monahan ignored this for over four years. You know, this became a thing in 2022 and late, late 2021. But this was a thing all the way back to 2018, 2019. And Monahan refused to even acknowledge it as an issue, sat on his hands, basically. When it was the Saudis and the Premier Golf League. Yes, but yeah. I, I don't understand how you can have that line of thinking is, oh, this will never happen. It's like, well, it's the Saudis. They have more money than God. They bought a Premier League team that was potentially a relegated team, and then they finished like third in the Premier League this year, Newcastle United, commonly known on this podcast as Saudi Castle United. How do you look at that and say, nah, this won't happen? It's like when the Saudis do something to their credit, they're going to do it. So he ignored the issue until it became a real issue. And then he went on the full moral high ground defensive of, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of he, the PGA His quote around 9-11 over that is it was almost the a worst year ago piece today. of PR in American corporate history. Yes. He said what? what, what so he went on and did a segment with Jim Nance, I think at the RBC last year. I'm almost positive it was a year ago to the date at the RBC. He's doing the whole corporate sponsor interview slot with Jim Nance about how you know, he's heard from 9-11 families and how he just can't fathom how anyone would look at all this and say this. And a year later, he takes the money. So, like, I don't think that should be absolved. Like, it should be forgotten in all of this. It's just how horribly, despite what we described on paper earlier, is how horribly this was played from start to finish. And his lack of a plan, his lack of willingness to formulate a plan before it became a mainstream issue 
And his lack of willingness to regroup or come up with some sort of plan when it became a real issue is why we are here today. And it's one of the biggest PR blunders of all time. I just wanted to get out the, that out there real quick because that then transitions into what he did with the players. You exa- you're exactly right. Can you imagine being Rory McIlroy today? You just outlined it. I don't want to be too repetitive. He basically, Jay Monahan had Rory McIlroy do his bidding. At every press conference possible, Rory was outspoken about how the live tour, he didn't think it was going to be a thing. And then when people started accepting invitations, he said good riddance and how terrible it was. And presumably with the support of the PGA Tour and Jay Monahan, and a year later, after he started that tour and the tour allowed him and commended him and kind of propped him up as their poster child and their mouthpiece, the tour took the exact same money that they told him and dozens of others not to take. How how the hell would you feel if you're quote unquote, it's not even really your employer. The person who's supposed to be representing you did that to you. Will Zalatoris, you just mentioned it, turned out a hundred million from live. Now he has a back injury. Who knows the back injury is a golf. He was recorded to be a loyalist and to turn down the Saudi money. And now the tour that he works with and for took the exact same money. Pat Perez got paid $10 million by Liv last year. Rory McIlroy made $8 million from the PGA Tour last year. How much do you think Rory would have gotten from Liv at his peak? That doesn't count what Perez signed for. I mean... Is Bill I, Nicholson I, I, the biggest winner? No, the biggest winner, I think, was the DP World Tour, but we can get to that in a second. But Paul Mickelson is definitely on the Mount Rushmore. I think he's the second winner in all of this. But it's just, it's, it's, I don't even really, I was trying to think of an example on the drive home before we recorded this of like, I don't know if we all worked together at Rivals and some Saudi backed company came and was just scooping up media entities and podcasts and they're like, offered me some money. And you and Neil were like, don't take that. Don't take that. We're building a good thing here. And 364 days later, you're like, hey, we're about to do this interview. We've actually taken the Saudi money, but good luck to you. Yeah, we're The, the odds of us ever getting in the same room of speaking again would be slim to none. I'd want to fight both of you. I would lose, but good God. But we're going to give you a 20% raise. <laughs> That's what basically what it's saying is, hey, we're going to take $4 million, but hey, we're going to bump you up 15 grand. All good there, bud. Cool. Sweet. Well, they're unless they that's what Monahan's saying. He's going, oh, well, the purses are going to grow a little bit. Who gives a shit? Purses is also dependent on performance. You presume the top players in the world will continue to play well and make the amount of money. But uh, if I were Rory, I would like a check in hand without ever touching a golf club. It's really unfathomable. Like, honestly, like I'm not one. Again, I keep mentioning that, like, I don't necessarily care as much about how oh my god if anyone touches anything having to do with the saudis they're terrible people but the sheer human element beyond the money of the way the pga tour and most notably jay monahan treated rory mcelroy and everyone else who was vocal on it is just really screwed up from a human nature standpoint money aside they allowed them to do their bidding and do the grunt work for them only to stab them in the back and get richer off of it and basically package it as hey well you'll get a little richer too how much of a bump do you think Monahan sees personally in this? What's what's his I, salary doing? Well, we can get into that in whenever you want to, but I don't think he makes out of this. I think in two months we'll look at Jay Monahan as the most disgraced commissioner in the history of American sports. I don't think. Oh wow. I, well, who was who has played a situation like this? Okay, worse? fair. 
I, I get that he was like, I could see how this is. If he does survive it, it's a self-preservation move, right? He's now the CEO, even though his Saudi boss is the chairman. But if you're the CEO of an entity where your most valued employees, the guys that we just described that you pissed off, in addition, in addition to the defectors that just came back, can't stand you and don't want to be in the same room with you. How do you last as the CEO of said entity? How does he survive this? He's His job will be to talk to the players and still, quote unquote, be the voice of the players. But the most valuable players hate the guy. How, how does that How does that last long term? There are agents floating stuff to reporters today saying we've talked to players. No shot he survives this. Yeah, how does that. he do it? What is the path? You think Tiger's pissed? Tiger's so far off in the sunset that he was probably like, hmm, I got offered 900 million, was told not to take it. That's kind of an asshole move. Oh, well. And then 2002 Tiger would have an issue today. Yes, 2002 Tiger would have a major issue today. That would be fascinating <laughs> to watch play out. Tiger today probably is so resigned to all of it, he's thinking, what a clown show. What have y'all done to the game that I, ended, that I propped up for two decades? But I doubt Tiger... I doubt Tiger shares the same degree of fury that Rory McIlroy and a couple of these other people do. I'll put it to you that way. Monahan now trying to tell people that the for-profit entity will be controlled by the tour. Uh-huh. Sure, bud. How, how did how, he basically just treats everyone like they're dumb? I guess. I mean, the way that I mean, whole ludicrous statement was packaged is 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 I guess if you're really the most simpleton of all simpletons and cannot use some sort of critical thinking, maybe they'd buy it. But he tends to think that the masses will believe it. Even the Golf Channel people were trying to dance around it today. But no one, like, they were all smirk every time something like that was mentioned. They'd be like, this is not happening. I mean, as, as Dan Rappaport from Barstool said today, so there were like five people in a room deciding to build an entire new tour while the 200 plus members had no clue for a player run tour. Yes. No one of those one of those being Jimmy Dunn, who is the head of or the owner of Seminole Golf Club, which is one of the top 10 golf courses in the country for anybody who's not a golf person, who lambasted the live last year, lambasted them. Well, he went off on the Saudis, talked about how the Saudis change their minds sometimes and can't be trusted and all this stuff. He's on the PGA Tour board or whatever it is. He was one of like three dudes that basically brokered this deal. He had several glowing profiles written about him over the last decade because apparently he worked for a company that worked in the World Trade Centers on 9-11 and he just happened to skip work for golf, to play golf that day. And like 66 of his colleagues and he called them friends were killed in 9-11 and he made that a great part of his public persona and he played a large part in negotiating this. And apparently today, yesterday, sometime in the last week, just had a foursome with a couple of Saudis and Tom Brady. Um, I say how to force them. That could be construed weird. Played golf with a couple of the Saudis and Tom Brady. I mean, it's almost beyond parody. What is he doing in that? Now he has a board seat on it. Mr. I'm affected by 9-11 himself now has a board seat on this whole deal. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is this the best thing that's happened to Donald Trump's re-election campaign today? Okay, so that would get off into the weeds of a very wild, wild rabbit hole. But did you see whatever his, I guess that was his social media app, True Social, that he put in 2022? That said yeah, that's what, yeah, that's that what I got here. Offers are, will greatly regret this when the ultimate merger happens. I've, which- I, I've got the quote, Donald Trump. I'm, I'm, I'm joking about the best thing happened to his re-election campaign, but this is, this is wild. I mean, I do think it's a positive for Donald Trump not to get political. In July of 22, on Truth Social, Donald Trump, quote, all of those golfers that remain loyal to the very disloyal PGA in all its different forms will pay a big price when the inevitable merger with Liv comes, and you get nothing but a big thank you from PGA officials who are making millions of dollars a year. If you don't take the money now, you'll get nothing after the merger takes place and only say how smart the original signees were. Man, I hate politicians in general, but if you were trying to include an SEO blurb to an article about this today, could you make a more perfect 200, 300 character statement than that to show up in a Google search? It's unbelievable. I don't know what this does to golf long term, but from a content day, it's perfect. It's incredible. This is just, it's the Saudis and it's golf of all sports. Like, it's just... I mean, I it's probably a life lesson news. that look, unless there is a damn good reason, take the money. Yes, take the money. And it was kind of like, what do you value more, public peer pressure and kind of the? I mean, it would be simplifying to say internet, Bob, but kind of the social pressure and outlook or life changing money. And the people who took life changing money were the winners today. Every single live player won today. And every single PGA Tour player that had a live offer lost today. Think about what the it cost the live players. It cost them of taking a bunch of crap on the internet for 16 months, not playing in PGA Tour events for a little over a year, but not really a calendar year when you think about the gap in the schedule. And now they're back, and they have the money in hand. Are, I mean, the ones that got the most money will be fine the most, but whatever. Who cares? You cannot find them an amount that would make them care about the money they took. It's just impossible. I, I just there's so many subplots to all of this. I mean, what does Rory McIlroy do from here? Like how do like how does Rory McIlroy? I've always enjoyed Rory. I don't necessarily think he hung the moon like some golf uh, media outlets seem to think, but he's always been very open and honest, and I think that's what draws people to him with media or just in the public face in general. How do you continue to do that when you've been duped by this by people who you trusted? Like, what is his public persona? Where does that go from here? It's not his fault. I don't think less of Rory McIlroy today. I feel bad for the knife, the six-inch knife in his back. 
Podcast brought to you in part by Prime Shrimp, primeshrimp.com. Seven different flavors available for you. Everything from a couple of my favorites, New Orleans style barbecue, to the uh, signature. They make great, uh, great lunches, put them on salads, eat them by themselves for a good snack, or let them help with dinner tonight. They got the full meals and a bag options. They've got the Simply Shrimp that you can uh, season yourself and much more. So use code RG, buy five pouches or more. When you do that, you get 25% off there with Prime Shrimp. That's primeshrimp.com, code RG. For 25% off. Remember, if you're close to a Rouse's, they're available in all those brick-and-mortar locations as well. So promshrimp.com. Oxford's uh, new Greek restaurant on the square. Opa is a perfect place for you to enjoy an evening. Fabulous food, craft libations. Uh, it's also a great place for a uh, company dinner or a festive party event. So just get in touch with the people at Opa at 601-421-7147. We're brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency, connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, whether you're seeking an entry-level position or you're a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board in all sorts of fields. Um, Service Specialist's goal is to get to know you, you should find out your strengths, see what you're looking for in your next career move so that you can find the right fit. It's always free for the candidate, so give uh, Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website, servicespecialistltd.com. Get the beautiful and healthy smile you deserve at Corinth Dental. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile. Uh from routine checkups to advanced treatment, including implants and Invisalign, Corinth Dental is here to help you achieve your smile goals. Schedule your appointment today. Take the first step toward a better version of yourself. It's CorinthDental.com. And are you a, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Southern Traditions Farm is a 68-acre, 32-stall upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails, uh, there's a lot to be offered at Southern Traditions, including horseback riding offerings from beginner lessons with uh, Susan Walt to buying your first horse, competing at nationally recognized competitions. To learn more, to get in touch with them on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. Oh, I feel terrible for him in that way, completely. I mean, just from a human standpoint, he's got to be so pissed. So a couple things here. Monahan, again, uh, he had a press conference today. I think it would be... Um, bad on our part to not run through all these things for context the quote that you and i both mentioned from a year ago this is to jim nance uh jay monahan a year ago talking about live and the saudis and the whole deal his quote i think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know there are significant implications as it relates to the families of 9-11 i have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones so my heart goes out to them and i would ask any player that is left or any player that would ever consider leaving have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA tour? Okay. That was, that was a year ago. Um, so on, I'm looking for it here. Uh, and I don't want to read the yeah, August. I'll read the whole quote. It's fine. Monahan asked about some of these things today. Here's his full quote. Listen, I think as time went on, you've heard me say a couple times, circumstances change. What changed? I looked at where we were at that point in time and it was the right and point in time to have a conversation. Going back to the origin of live, I said this. They needed to go down their path, and we were going to go down ours. We've done everything we can within our control to improve and grow the PGA Tour, and they have launched live. They proceeded with live. They made progress with live. But ultimately, it was looking at the broader picture and saying that I don't think it's right or sustainable to have this tension in our sport 
and to be able to organize and orient this in a way where, again, we're in a controlled position. We have an investor, a great world-class investor, and I recognize everything that I've said in the past in my prior positions. I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite anytime I said anything. I said it with the information I had at that moment, and I said it based on someone that's trying to compete for the PGA Tour and our players. I accept those criticisms, but circumstances do change. I think that in looking at the big picture and looking at this way, that's what got us to this point. You know, it probably didn't seem that way to them, but as I look to our players, those players that have been loyal to the PGA Tour, I'm confident the move they made, the move, well, confident that the move they made the right decision. They've helped re-architect the future of the PGA Tour. They moved us to a more pro-competitive model, blah, 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 blah. I got a couple questions. What circumstances yep. changed? The Saudis offered them a lot of money to the point that he couldn't say no, and he decided he would now take the blood money. That's it. Do you think That's that wasn't on the table if they really wanted to get to a negotiating table eight months ago? Well, that's fair because it's not like the Saudis have a budget where they go, nope, 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 sorry, that 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 hundred thousand is just too much. We ain't got. And it. no matter what it was, it was getting to, them to what they wanted. They don't care about the live tour. They wanted access to the PGA Tour and to buy professional golf, which is what they did today. But I guess my point being, the only circumstances that change is Monahan, as I mentioned, did not have a plan. He tried to almost emotionally, in a way, fight his way out of being backed into a corner. And as the court case and the litigation kind of became more and more pressing and the kind of bill was coming due in terms of that, that actually becoming real, he flipped. Because I think what actually happened here is a couple of things. Is I don't think the PGA Tour felt they were 100% confident that they would win in court. I also don't think that they wanted their books opened in court. I also don't think that they wanted a heightened spotlight on their already kind of in the small senses of kind of the micro of a professional golf or just like business as a whole their tax exempt status under further scrutiny and so i think they realized that they don't have an out here and so he caved and the one live side of it if you really want to throw a rock back the other way and say well they had a reason to cave too i don't think the whole live thing of the team golf and getting billionaires to sponsor and buy teams and then becoming almost like pro sports franchises gained any traction at all. Whether it did or not, I don't think the Saudis or the PIF fund actually cared, but I think that only incentivized them more to do this, and that's why I don't think you'll actually see that much of a team element. On no, 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 no. I mean, you're taking very little from Liv as far as the, the things that they put together for their league whatsoever. But look, that, that that's what's so thing here because people go, no, 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 the Liv had to do this because they couldn't get broadcast rights and they couldn't do all these things. And yes, from a normal business perspective, Liv was struggling, failing, frankly, failing majorly from that standpoint. The question you have to ask, though, is do the Saudis care? Did that no. matter at all? Was that ever the point? Their point was never to run a competitive golf league for three decades. F that. that. They didn't care. No, they did not care about that at all. That's why they informed Greg Norman 10 minutes before the interview dropped today that he would that this was happening. And Greg Norman was simply a pawn for their efforts. But he was the perfect pawn because while this is kind of, if you look at it through just an altruistic lens, like, they did him a little bit dirty, but he got the win. He'd been wanting to do this for two to three decades. He finally got the backing to disrupt the PGA Tour, and he disrupted it. What more did he have to gain by continuing to stay on, even if the end blow was a little crappy in the way it was delivered to him? I'll pose you this question. How are Rory McIlroy 
and Greg Norman any different in the way they were used by the respective entities battling here? Ooh. It's one and the same. They were used as the public spokesperson and the mouthpiece, and the moment that no longer became necessary, sorry, in Rory's case, it was stick a knife in your back, and in Greg's case, I'm sure he got paid a ton of money to do whatever a 70-year-old man does at his age. They're the same. They were both used as pawns. One more knowingly than the other, for sure. It's not ideal. Norman had just enough capital to push their progressions through getting players and being the voice and all that stuff. Sure. He was seen as this eccentric. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly. Um, quickly here, because I guess I should have kept reading. This gets even more crazy. Monahan continuing. We have significantly invested in our business in 23. We're going to do so in 24 as we finalize this process. I think any player that has stayed is going to realize that the money they're going to make, the strength of this platform, all the things that we talk about are going to put them in a really strong position. They're going to win. They're going to continue to grow and we're in a control position on their behalf as we move forward in this structure. The binding elements are litigated. Basically, it goes on to say that they created a framework agreement and that's the right agreement and trying to bullshit the fact that they don't have any real details. And then he says, obviously, Tiger and Rory's perspective is one that I understand very well. And it was part of my thinking throughout these conversations. and It will be part of my thinking going forward. Now that we're in a framework agreement, I look forward to talking to all of our players, including the two of them, to make certain this comes off the right way. Unless you're handing Rory McIlroy a check for $300 million, ain't shit going off the right way for Rory McIlroy. I, I would, I mean, I joked with someone earlier today, if I were Rory, I would do the press conference drunk and then WD <laughs> and then just see who came to me after that. But again, at the end of the day, Rory McIlroy doesn't have a ton of leverage in this. Like if he wants to pout, okay, great. That just means he doesn't play golf and has an option to not play golf or whatever, whatever mechanism he would use to pout or whatever. That's the screwy part about this. Is he There's no golfer that actually could not play in it matter, is there? No, not really. I mean, Tiger got the closest. Tiger could create a pain in their ass if he came out and just lambasted Monaghan every day publicly. And it's an important distinction that it's not that that Jay Monahan is the boss of the PGA Tour players. It's not an apples to apples comparison, but like Roger Goodell is hired by the NFL owners to be their, you know, advocate and mouthpiece. That is essentially what the Jay Monahan did. So in a, in a its most simplistic sense, that would be like Roger Goodell being like, "Sure, I'm going to sell the NFL." Doubt he has that actual power to the Saudis, and then just telling the owners after the fact. How well would that go over? That's yeah, essentially Jerry, what Jerry would be cool with it, right? It's a player-run tour, and he consulted zero players on it. So this is not Monahan's their boss, and if you don't like it, then quit pouting, you entitled millennials or whatever. He is supposed to be working for them and consulted zero of them on this. That, to me, is why he does not survive. How long you give it? Till what? He's out. I'd like to see what the merger looks like, but I would be shocked if in four months, uh, Jay Monahan is still part of the PGA Tour or whatever this is going to be. Um, again, I may end up with totally egg on my face and it was a self-preservation move and he stays on. But if he's the CEO of this or whatever, and his job is still presumably similar to what it is today and you're supposed to be working for the players and the most valuable players hate you, how, how does that work? Because see, that, that, that's, were... a, that, that's a key thing because – on a normal business with a CEO, the shareholders are who you answer to. And if it was a normal business, 
the shareholders might go, shit, you made me more money. Cool. You're you're doing my work. Let's go. Let's throw you a party. And here's the here's the the champagne. In this situation, the players are the shareholders. Now they don't have power, but collectively they are the shareholders. You're correct. And the reason they don't have as much power is I would assume some degree sponsors and everything else that goes into it. But they are the shareholders of the PJ Tour. Here's the antidote for you. A guy named Rick Gemmon, I'll just call that golf data golf data fanalist, founder of his own website. Good for him. Said Johnson Wagner, who's a former PJ Tour player who now works for the golf channel, who's very connected, very good on TV, hell of a mustache. Estimated that the negative positive split was 90 to 10 in the player meeting, including a standing ovation when the room called for new tour leadership. Oh. I don't think our guy Jay, Jay is seeing the future that he signed off on today. Three weeks ago, the PGA Tour declined a deal with the last minute in which Raytheon would become the title sponsor of the Byron Nelson. Why? The optics of Raytheon selling military equipment to Saudi Arabia while also sponsoring a PGA Tour event. So he pissed off one of the bigger tournaments and one of the largest metroplexes in the country only to sign with Saudi money later. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, he told a Dallas-based tournament they cannot have a certain sponsor. I, uh, I've i talked to a couple members of the club that volunteers and does the whole Century Club Charities version of whatever the Nelson is. I can't imagine that went over very well with the uh, – I think they all wear red pants every day. Um, I can't imagine that went over very well in that room. And another of the many layers of all of this, too, is I'm usually one that's pretty slow to criticize people in these important positions of power – because whether you're the commissioner of the NFL or the athletic department director at an athletic department in the SEC or anything like that, the job is immensely more difficult than whatever clown on Twitter wants to criticize you for. But in this case, I really have no any like I have no other reaction than to just underscore how demonstrably stupid this was played until the last minute trying to save face was by Jay Monahan. I, I can't really even fathom the lack of leadership shown here. And maybe it works out for him. I doubt it. But the way he played this, no matter how he turns out, was so inexplicably stupid that it's hard to wrap my head around. To answer your question at the top of the show, that might be the most surprising piece of it. But uh, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I ask a question? And I'm not sure. I'm not giving Monahan an out here. I'm not. I'm just wondering. Was there something in the litigation that gave Monahan no choice but to make this decision? That the legal ramifications were going to be so severe in some way? Yes, he made the right business decision. As you outlined earlier, I don't even necessarily disagree with that. And if that makes my sense. But I guess my point is, is that potentially what he says about circumstances and all those things? I'm not giving, I'm, I'm not letting him off the hook. I'm saying, is that potentially what he's talking about? Is it something came out in the legal process and he went, we either do this and take the money or we are screwed? Shipnack is doing the book on Phil. Yeah. Apparently in the last chapter of it, he started talking about what a merger would look like because everyone, including Donald Trump, saw that coming. So I guess my issue is not with the decision that he made today. It's why I take the strategy you took the last two years when everyone with any sort of common sense knew this was the ultimate outcome. Why do the 9-11 thing? Why do the moral high ground? Why ban the players? Why make this whole public spectacle of you're a terrible person if you go play for the Saudis and the live tour? if you know that this is the ultimate outcome. So no, you're exactly right. This was the smart business decision. He brought more money into the tour. The stars are back in one place. The tour on 
surface level is in a much better place than it was before this decision. But why make that declaration and why take the strategy you did if that's the ultimate outcome? And my question is, how could you not see that? So why did you do what you did in two and a half and even going back to four years leading up to it? That's my issue with it. At best, he was caught completely flat-footed with no foresight and made a really lot of dumb decisions. At best. If that's your ceiling in a job performance evaluation at the end of the year, it's probably not going to go well for you. Yeah, at best, he did the things he thought necessary in really dumb ways to keep the most players on the PGA Tour by guilting them, by running down the competition, by keeping some semblance of its stars while having no eye on the big picture whatsoever. And also never really, if we're being completely honest, reserved any sort of actual control here for the PGA Tour. This is run by the PIA. Look, here's the deal. From a live golfer roster standpoint, who are we really missing other than Brooks Kepka? There's a couple. Cam Smith. Okay, yeah, I didn't know. Fair. Yeah, 100%. Forgot. Um, Honest to God, I know people don't like this. Bryson, he's a fun character. And yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a handful. Now, the rest Real, are these guys that are in a different phase of their career. That The ones that I love that chart that someone put out the other day about the, the live dudes who didn't even care to qualify for the U.S. Open. They're just like, no, nah, I'm good. Like Louis Ustase, and he just wanted the money to go farm in South Africa or whatever he did. Those type of guys make up the majority. But the other piece of this that was fascinating, and I've t- talked to you about this, about like when my buddy Wilson Furr has mentioned a couple of times about how lower level players on the PGA, or Corn Ferry Tour, PGA Tour, like viewed this as opposed to how the public views it. They were making pretty good headway with younger players out of college. A. Eugenio Chikara, who was the number one ranked amateur in the world when he came out of college at Oklahoma State, um, signed with Liv. They tried to get the Pearson and Parker Cootie kids. And from what I understand, those two kids come from pretty good families in McKinney, Texas. And they were just like, nah, we'll stick with the PGA Tour. They were loyalists. They signed Andy Ogletree, Mississippi kid, former U.S. amateur champion. They were making, apparently sounded like they were making a little bit of overtures on the Ludvig kid out of Texas Tech. So beyond the star power, they were making somewhat decent headway with the stars of college golf, the Justin Thomases of five years ago, or the Jordan Spieths of six, seven years ago, where they would be like, why don't you become a seven-figure millionaire instead of, you know, at best, make it through the Corn Ferry Tour and blaze through it, making a year, making 100K if you make it through, and go to the PGA Tour. Now, the PGA Tour did some minor measures to enhance that, which is probably all by the wayside now, right? The PGA Tour year where you can get a PGA Tour card out of college. The seemingly enhancements to the Corn Ferry Tour, all they really did is up the money a little bit and cut the number of total available tour cards. Literally that. But they were making headway at the lower levels in the future stars of professional golf. So, like, that piece of it was significant, too, beyond just what they were missing from a star power standpoint, if that makes sense. I'm going to be amazed, just to reiterate from earlier, not to try to regurgitate the same things over and over again. There are going to be some media entities that talk about how the tour being able to control things matter. And I'm going to scream at everyone because Yasir couldn't give two dams about anything golf-related. Nothing. Not a thing. The smirk on his face... Shotgun start or 72-hole event couldn't care less. There was a report today out uh, that said none of the Live executives knew anything about this, that in some ways, even though the PGA Tour players knew nothing, that the Live executives knew less. They, they don't care about Live. 
The Live was a vehicle to accomplish what they accomplished today. They wanted a seat at the table and inadvertently ended up owning the whole thing. That is a win for our man, Yassir. What a baller. Can you imagine sitting next to him during that interview? I bet he was looking at Jay Monahan and was like, I just made you my little you-know-what. And now I have you talking in favor of me. What a boss. Oh, well, no, he's the winner today. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know winner. how long you want to go on this, but do you want to rank winners and losers to close this? Because there's about five or six that are fascinating to dive into. Yeah, I'll do that in a second. This is interesting. Go ahead, I don't yeah. know the answer to this. It's 6.04 on Tuesday. So, again, I don't know. Kyle Porter, really good golf writer for CBS. He has a subhead in his story that says players lose control. Will the PGA Tour policy board have to approve of this merger? The 10-person board is split between five players and five non-players. It could get interesting if any of it comes to a vote. Either way, the players are losing a lot of control because of the newly formed for-profit entity with uh, Yasir as chairman. That will feel harsh to a group that's been running its own league for several decades, but ultimately will likely only benefit an organization to take business decisions out of the hands of players. Podcast is brought to you by a brand new sponsor, Rent the Sip Oxford. Are you looking for a place on any Oxford weekend to come up, maybe football weekend, graduation, whatever the case may be, they can be hard to come by. You know how the game is on big Oxford weekends. Rent the Sip can help you with that. Their Turnberry unit is located off of Old Taylor Road. It sleeps eight comfortably. It has a pool, a spa, tennis courts. It's all gated, and it is available for rent on the weekends. My friend Bracken Ray, this is his first rental property, Rent the Sip Oxford. Good dude, friend of the podcast, of course, our basketball guy, and he wants to help make it easier for you to find a place to rent in Oxford on big weekends, random weekends. Maybe you're just coming up for a night and you don't want to deal with the hotel. He can help you with that. It is a nice condo unit that is gated right off there off Taylor Road, less than a mile from campus, straight shot across uh, the old highway there to Swayze Field, not too far from Vaught-Hemingway Stadium as well. It is booking up fast, but he still has availability for the Mercer, Vandy, and ULM football game weekends. It's also available for move-in week into the dorm for freshmen and rush week. So go ahead and book that now. All you have to do is go to rentthesipoxford.com. That'll take care of everything else. You can go online and book it. If you have questions, there's a contact number there. Feel free to call it, and they'll answer any questions you have. And if you use the promo code RIPPYWRITES, That'll get you 100% off any stay that's a two-night minimum. So if you book it for two nights and you use the promo code RIPPYWRITES, that'll get you 100 bucks off. Good people to work with. Bracken would never steer you the wrong way. And it is a great place, great location in a town where it's often hard to find weekend rentals or really rentals at all. So check them out, rentthesipoxford.com. Very happy they're starting to sponsor the show. So be sure to check them out. If you have any questions, you can holler at me as well. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Go check them out. You're wanting to build up your bankroll before football season. Mark Harris and the guys at Skybox NASCAR are crushing it on the track every weekend, just racking up positive unit weekends. But as football season will be here before you know it, just go online to skyboxsportspicks.com. You can find a picks package that fits your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month, whatever, college football, NFL football. They've also got college basketball coming up uh, not too far from that as well. All you have to do is go sign up for the picks package, type in the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase. They're the only way to profit in the long run. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. I think that's well put. 
Um, and that probably is a very much more articulate way to describe that what we're talking about, how the PGA Tour no longer controls anything. Because what are we talking about when we say the PGA Tour? It's the players. So they no longer control anything because of the way this thing is. Because we're talking about, hey, how are we going to get more money into a league? Well, I'd much rather Yassir do my bidding than Rory. Right, because Yassir has an endless bank account. It's not even like a fair fight. It's not that Rory McIlroy is not business savvy. It's just, do I pick the guy with endless funds or this very charismatic dude that's been the face of the PGA Tour? But that really is what was the end today. The PGA Tour is no longer the PGA Tour, and it's what we've come to know it as because the players no longer control anything. No. What do they control now? All right. Two losers first. Obviously, Monahan has his big mug up at the very top of our total. Let's put that in a separate category. Yeah. Um, the players as a whole, because the okay, it's a net loss, though. Because they are, they're gonna get more money, their purses are gonna go up. They today the PGA tour is healthier financially than it was yesterday. So tour players or whatever, but the lack of trust, the way they were treated as pawns, the way they're considered pawns potentially fans being weirded out by this whole deal in some way. Um, them not getting money when they could have from live, all those different things, plus the loss of control, as you just mentioned, all those things together, the PGA Tour members currently are losers in this argument. And anyone within their ecosystem, because what's fascinating to me, and I always focused on, I feel like I could have been Monday Q guy in a different life, on the whole lower levels of things. And that's maybe just to the coincidence. I have a couple of buddies that kind of are either going through or have recently gone up the ranks of the PGA tour, but golf's middle class, I think lost today. Now the upper middle class may end up benefiting from it, but the guys that are world-class players of tomorrow, I don't know what it looks like. I may end up wrong on this, but it feels like the little guys that are trying to make it on the PGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour players, the Canadian Tour players, and the people that don't follow golf may be like, what the hell does that matter? I imagine 90% of the superstars that you know went through the Corn Ferry Tour or Canadian Tour before you ever heard of them. Brooks Kepka played on the Challenge Tour and then the European Tour until he was like 25, until he made it to the BGA Tour. Those type of guys that kind of cultivate the stars for tomorrow, I don't want to say they lost today definitively, but it doesn't feel like that they gained anything by what happened today. And golf's middle to lower class, which ultimately fuels the upper class, is a lot larger of a population than the casual golf fan wants to understand. Who else lost? Monaghan lost the players as a whole. If you really just divided them into what kind of player are you, did you win or you lose? I think that's decided as a loss. Did the PGA tour sponsors lose today? Because what becomes of that? Whether it's, I don't know the okay. distinction between the current sponsors didn't lose. Why? You wonder, well, because how? I think if anything, they're going to get more money pumped into their charities and things because the Saudis are just going to – there's a line in the press release about how they're going to basically support PGA Tour-related interest. And I think that goes into charities and things along those lines. What you wonder is when sponsorships come up, suddenly are more Saudi-backed sponsors going to be who takes over a lot of the sponsorships for these tournaments? 
yeah, I mean, on Sunday in five years, is everyone going to be required to don the iconic stripes of Newcastle United? Like, that's my point is like they they say that they're going to support PJ Tour interests. Now that they're the sole investor and have first right of refusal to other investors, who's to say that they're like, no, don't want to do that? Then what? So it leaves them in a gray area at the very least. Um, with the schedule changes that were already happening before this happened, did the smaller PGA Tour events lose? What happens to the Sanderson? The PGA Tour is going back to a traditional schedule next year, which is always going to be the case before the Saudi thing, to where it's now an off-series fall season event, and then the season starts again in Hawaii. I don't think Monaghan has the capital to change much of that. I think they have to make sure that the current structures of those tournaments are still in existence in some way. Maybe they become team events. Maybe something weird happens with their structures. But I do think the – it's my opinion. This is, again, 6-10 on June 6th. I do think they will be protected for at least a little while, given that you have to be careful about changes moving forward. So you just alluded to, like, almost my hypothetical wet dream. The Sanderson's a good example of this. The Sanderson has gone through a total – a bunch of sponsors. They went from back in the day to a regular PGA Tour event. I'm talking way back in the day. Mm -hmm. to a fall series event where it was the off season where guys kind of still played, but the major guys never played to being moved to the summer opposite of the British open, which is essentially one of the three smallest purse events on tour. I remember one year they didn't have a title sponsor and they were called the true South classic. Um, anyone who has merch from that, that's a collector's item these days, but they were the smallest event on tour to moving back to the fall schedule. The PGA tour changes its schedule to where Sergio Garcia won hitting it to 18 feet during the COVID year. Mm -hmm. in 2020 at the Sanderson granted no fans were around to hear it but you get a master's invite if you win the Sanderson now it is a real PJ Tour event Sa Sam Burns won the Sanderson a couple years ago the Sanderson all jokes aside is a very good example of the transition of what a PJ Tour event can be I think the Sanderson is peaked and without knowing the details of what their title sponsorship is what becomes of that you mentioned the team piece of it do I get to go roam the fairways in range goats attire in a couple years and see a bunch of people and live golf teams on the podium holding up the chicken trophy as champagne sprays. What in God's name becomes of those type of events? You'll be I'm more than happy for Bryson and Kepka to hold the rooster trophy. And maybe a requirement, even if they have some sort of requirement, is it's like, hey, you're the PIF, you're going to pump some money into these tournaments. I, I don't know, but like the ambiguity or the lack of future that they have, I think is a loser. So can you think of any more losers? Is Rory a winner or not? Is Rory a oh. loser or a nothing? He's a loser. Yeah. He will benefit more financially. But, but he, he gets a sympathy vote and nobody blames him. No, I, I actually, I won't say I like Rory McIlroy more. I already liked him. I feel bad for a multimillionaire world-class golfer for maybe the first time in human history. Yeah. I really do. So, that, to me, makes him a loser. Will Zalatoris, loser. Guys that are not on that are not in good PGA standing that could have made money. They're all tremendous losers. Uh, oh, my God. How did we get this on? Brando Chambly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen. Sure. Yes. Absolute loser. Iman Lynch, loser. Now, that's more of the golf media that took the holier-than-thou stance. I mean, we work in this ecosystem. Do you know how that goes? Like, you know, in the sheer they were, they were all singing for supper. 
Yes. And in the sheer absence of under, I mean, I don't think there's a group of people on earth that understand how business works less than your traditional mainstream stream journalists. Yeah. But like, that was yeah. so predictable, right? I mean, you, like the whole taking, like, did you ever think that would end well for Chambly or Iman Lynch? In what world did taking the whole, you work for murderers thing? Like, I feel like for most of this podcast, I've talked about live as this devilish thing. I don't really care about people doing money, like business with Saudis or the fact that it was backed by the Saudi tour. I didn't like it because it splintered the golf ecosystem. But to be fair, I'm not some moral high groundist that actually cares where the money of these players are earning come from. I just don't. No, my entire deal to the players, even when they did it, was just admit it's the money. I get annoyed when you tell me it's about something else. If you just tell like me Harold it's money, feel free. Yeah, cool. Harold um, Barnes, like, this changed my family's life. Sure. Congratulations. Don't tell me that your kid knows what the range goats are like Bubba Watson. I don't want to hear yeah. that. Winners, it's Yasir. It's the premier investment fund, whatever they're called. Um, they got exactly what they wanted the entire time. They that they won to an extent that is hard to fathom at this point. Um, Phil Mickelson by himself won. Oh, man. In a way that is, I mean, he, he was king live. I mean, frankly, he started making some points even the last couple of weeks, talking about the offseason schedule sets him up for the majors better. I mean, I started almost like nodding along with the man, as crazy as he is in some ways. Um, about how Liv gets them tuned up for the majors yeah, better? I kind of go, eh, maybe. Um, That's the classic Phil shtick. It's like, this sounds good. Does it actually make any sense? It, it, no, because he's played more tournaments than anybody else the last four months. But when he wrote it, I kind of nodded along and went, sure, I get what you're saying. He went after Rory. It was kind of funny. Um, and I like Rory. He's like one of my favorite golfers. Um, I, the transition the, of Phil, though, in the last two and a half years, go from making that quote to Shupnak. I love the idea that a guy who wrote a book on you that you wouldn't agree to an interview to, you call him and you assume it's off the record. Amazing stuff there. He makes those comments about how, yeah, there's some scary MFers, but think about putting the tour to task for their innocuous greed to basically becoming... An outcast, he voluntarily, and again, the PGA Tour doesn't disclose suspensions, but he wasn't a member of PGA Tour at that point, to skipping the PGA Championship. There were some weird stories that came about about him at the Champions Dinner of the Masters this year, where apparently he sat at the table by himself, who, mm -hmm. as he caught wind of this before everyone else did, he started getting a little more vocal again, a little more chirpy on Twitter, back almost toward fire chat filled Twitter, to now he's the ultimate winner. What an absolute! I mean, I wish the Shipnuck book would have been written two years later. He's going to be back on the PGA Tour. He's a lifetime member. He can play wherever he wants. He might be the biggest winner behind the Saudis. Yeah. Um, and then the PGA Tour players who did not have live offers are winners because they're the just going to make more money. The upper yeah. tier regular yes. mainstays on the PGA Tour who did not have live offers. The trying to think of a good example. I don't know, like Tyrell Hatton. I don't know if he had a live offer, but that kind of that kind of level winner for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, big time winners there. I mean, those guys. That's a, that's a that's a sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's huge. Um, and look lower lower level dudes that took live offers. Taylor Gooch, Matthew Wolf. Mm -hmm. All those dudes, winners. They took a boatload of cash and are about to start getting world golf ranking points again starting in 2024. That has to be a winner. 
if they have any PGA Tour membership, their problem. Um, we didn't. I, I want to be quick here because we're running a lot on on a while. The DP World Tour. It was a dead league, a dead organization, and now it has a complete life raft and is on par with everything else. Huge winner, huge. It's actually ahead of field. DP World Tour is the number two winner. That's probably fair. So the funniest part about it was, I don't even know the name of the DP World Tour commissioner. He put out a statement today that no one paid any attention to. That was the cheeriest statement I've read in a long time. And Big it's because of what the DP World Tour became. I looked this up today. The last DP World Tour event, do you know what the purse was? Just a guess. $2.1 million. $1.7. And the Corn Ferry Tour event that week was $1.1. 1. 1. Wow. Yeah, winner. I used to like the the DP World Tour when it was the European Tour. I used to like waking up on Sunday mornings because it would be Westwood, Keimer, mm-hmm. those guys that played regularly on Europe and then would come over to America for the big events. I watched a DP World Tour event, I think, in Spain three weeks ago. They showed 25 golfers in the hour that I watched had not heard of a single one of them. I think the winner took home like 400K. Yeah, it just completely killed what used to be really good coffee golf. That means That's they what- have... That means they have less purse than the LPGA because Rose Zhang won like 400-something thousand on Sunday. That's a great point. It's it's less or on equal footing depending on the event. I mean, you're right. It, that, that tour was dead, and now, boy, is it back in a big way. Last thing, just because I'm laughing. How many times do you think the other Jay Monahan that is married to Cup Cho got like text or referenced or something thinking he is the PGA commissioner because he's in the golf e- ecosphere. Did you know this cup show's husband is named Jay Monahan? Wait, no, no, no. I did not know this. Wait, t- fill me in. Yeah. The LPGA golfer. What is it? What's her name? Yeah. Uh, is it Jennifer? Is that right? Yeah. Her husband she's married is- to, she's married to a Jay Monahan. Yeah. I say, what do you think that Twitter or like whatever is today? Or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I noticed it when I Googled her um, when she was in the playoff with, with Rose the other day. It was like a story. It. it was like, not that Jay Monahan. Well, what does our man have to gain from keeping Twitter? I would delete it. I mean, that's just going to freeze your phone up. Yeah, who is – this is one day ago from something. Who is Jennifer Cupcho's husband, the lesser famous Jay Monahan? That's brutal. Yeah, that's him. So, oh, look, here's the truth. When we – because the content, the conversation, and we get the players, the fan wins. The fan's a winner. Fan's a huge winner now. Yeah, I mean, with as much of a fuss as I made about how, like, screwed up this all is, having the PGA Tour and the world's best players back in one single place, cool. When I flip on my TV on Sunday, not having Cam Smith and Brooks Kepka there is kind of lame. I won't really care about it in the moment watching the tournament, but it still kind of sucks that we absolutely win. And yeah. media wins, too if you weren't that sanctimonious. Some of you lost big time, but yes, yeah, so a lot won. So anyway, lots to unpack. Plenty is going to happen moving forward. It's not over because we only have a framework agreement. We still can discuss the finer details whenever they figure them out. They've just put a tour on notice without actually having really any details to how we're doing so, but that's cool. We'll uh, move forward with that. As we uh, go again, this serving as the Wednesday Oxford Exxon podcast, it is a Rippy Wrights edition as well for the week. So I hope all of you guys have a uh, wonderful day. Stay safe. And both of us will talk to you again very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.